Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls was met with by critics and audience with near-universal derision. In this updating look at Showgirls, the film is called You Don't Know Me, traces the film's redemptive journey from notorious flop to cult classic and maybe even masterpiece. We're joined today by the director, producer, editor, and writer of You Don't Know Me, Jeffrey McHale. Jeffrey, welcome to Film School. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for being here. I have been a a Paul Verhoeven film. Uh, I really like Starship Troopers. There's a lot of his films, Black Book, the other films he's done, L, a lot of the films that he's done before and after Showgirls. So for me, I kind of got it when I was watching it the the first time. I, I think I got it. And one of the things I really like about your documentary, You Don't Know Me, is apparently there are any number of ways to get it when it comes to this film. Um it's a long way of getting to my question, which is, mm-hmm. what interested you most about doing a film about showgirls? You know, I was a fan of it since I saw it. I came to it late in life, uh, about 10 years after it had become a queer kind of cult classic. And it was just one of those interesting films that uh, are the way in the, it, it succeeds because of its failures, you know, and that's why we're kind of still talking about it now. It's just, it, it's such a, unique and interesting um experience from a you know from a, as a viewing standpoint and so uh it's just one of those films that i would uh, always revisit and then um i was actually at the 20th anniversary screening of of showgirls here in los angeles with th- that is featured at the end of my documentary uh, where elizabeth berkeley comes and introduces the film and, and you know after that my mind was kind of blown and i just became curious, you know, so I, I just kind of wanted to consume everything that had been written about showgirls and just explore whether there was anything there worth, you know, exploring. And so yeah. uh, I was inspired by, you know, other documentaries like Room 237 and, you know, Los Angeles Plays Itself. And I thought there was a lot of interesting things that, you know, we can do now with fair use and in commentary. And, and and I thought this was like kind of the, the perfect opportunity and subject to kind of, um, uh, tackle. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, we'll get to that subject uh, in our conversation, but also did the fact that there were 4,000 people uh, at that screening kind of inspire you that think, oh, there's there is certainly an audience for this, for this film and maybe for a, a, a different take on the film? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it. Uh, I know that it has like a very uh, strong and loyal fan base. You know, it, it, it's one of those things that it's in the queer lexicon. It, it, it's how it's just one of the ways that we kind of connect with each other. You know, these these types of films uh, with our community, and so so yeah. So of course, I knew that there was you know an audience there, and that, the interesting thing was is was oh like you know I whatever whatever you make about showgirls you know like there will at least be you know this kind of core audience that will be interested in in, in kind of checking it out and what what was it's kind of blown my mind is just kind of the wide um 
the kind of like the wide support and interest within you know showgirls and uh, people who haven't seen it before you know um, are, are still kind of fascinated by the documentary you know I don't I say that you don't have to see showgirls before seeing you don't know me but you should definitely see it afterwards it's required viewing yeah well and then there's a sort of mythology about the film as well right mm-hmm. so that it, it would be easy to see why people who if they haven't seen it have heard of it and it's mm-hmm. hard to believe, but it is 25 years later. So yeah. there's there, there's that part of it. So let's go back to 25 years ago. Let's go back to 1995 and sort of talk about Paul Verhoeven had made uh, he had made his mark in Denmark as a pretty uh, accomplished uh, director filmmaker, mm-hmm. and had come to America. And let's pick up the story from there. Yeah, you know he had. Uh found quite a bit of success with these, you know, kind of action blockbusters, you know, RoboCop, and before that he did Flesh and Blood, but RoboCop and Total Recall were the kind of things that put him on the on the map here in, in, in Hollywood, and that's, those are what, you know, I think most American audiences kind of know his work from, is, is those kind of action films, and, you know, subsequently he's done, like, Starship Troopers, and within that same kind of genre, and so he did Basic Instinct uh, with Joe Esterhaus uh, as the screenwriter, and that was a huge hit, and that was you know kind of like his Hitchcockian erotic thriller, um, and it was a huge hit. And the two decided to pair up again, um, and this time though they got the blessing from the studio to um, to deliver an NC-17 film, which was um, something he wasn't able to do with Basic Instinct. He expressed a lot of frustration about having to cut you know, scenes and snippets and things to get, kind of get the film down to the R rating that he was uh, contractually required with Basic Instinct. So he had kind of like a blank check here with uh, with Showgirls. And so I think they um, took advantage of that. Well, let's talk a little bit about that relationship, Joe Esterhaus and, and Paul Verhoeven. Joe, Joe had quite a reputation at, already in Hollywood mm-hmm. as someone who was essentially not afraid to write what he wanted to and was being very who had been very successful at it he came from a journalistic background but he mm-hmm. he definitely wrote boundary pushing kinds of mm-hmm. scripts didn't he mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean he was uh, the the notorious uh what was it the the pitch written on a, on a cocktail napkin two million dollar pitch that he sold um so yeah he was just one of the one of the highest paid screenwriters in, in hollywood at the time and so it, it was it was kind of you know, it felt like a no-brainer as far as, you know, investment, you know, the investment in, in a project like this. And so I think, uh, yeah, then bringing Paul Verhoeven uh, on it, you know, the, the, the two had an interesting kind of a complicated relationship. They kind of had a little bit of a falling out during Basic Instinct and Basic Instinct uh, was met with some protests from, you know, the LGBTQ community about the depiction of queer characters and in that and they uh had a little bit of a disagreement explosive argument he said in his book um about how to respond to that and um, they reconnected uh after the film's success and uh at lunch i think i think they said at the ivy in beverly hills and trying to figure out if they could work together again and this is where the idea for showgirls was first kind of brought up a, a musical an mgm musical in vegas uh as Joe said, so. was that was that the pitch? An, an I, yeah, yeah, that, that was one of the. Yeah, there was many many topics were discussed, but but Showgirls was the one that kind of hooked uh, Paul Verhoeven in, and he had said like he had always been fascinated by the the classic you know Busby Berkeley you know MGM musicals, uh, 
black and white musicals, and so he was really excited to. What is he in his book? He said he didn't want to make a highbrow musical, so okay. Um, they uh, they they went on a, a exploration, a journey to Vegas to to explore the hotels and um, the shows and talk to characters and you know try to pull out ideas. So um, well, yeah, well, so they make the movie. I, what I didn't know, and you just what you just mentioned was that uh, Verhoeven was pushing for Nancy Seventeen. That's interesting, and he certainly fulfilled all of his. Uh, his desires with uh, mm-hmm. Showgirls. I, I, when I saw it, uh, I saw it in a theater. And, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. So, and it was, yeah, it was shocking. I mean, it, it, it's a film that no matter how you feel, like, feel about it by the end of the film, it is a shock to the system. No matter when it, when it first gets underway, there's just so much kind of high energy mm-hmm. over the top. Just, it's a constant sort of uh, barrage of things that in a, what you would be used to in a normal quote unquote normal film it it, it, it it's that on steroids and so uh you can feel all kinds of different ways about the movie by the time you're done watching it but nonetheless it is a shock to the system to anyone who sees it for the first time so keep that in mind if you haven't seen it but uh but so d- describe sort of the I mean we can, I don't know if we want to talk about the production itself the making of uh but let unless you do but I'd like to jump to the part of the story where it's released to the wild essentially into theaters uh go ahead I, however you yeah. want to take that yeah no definitely I I think that yeah and that's exactly where you know Nomi picks up is the response to it and that was one of the interesting things is you know I didn't really want to make a behind the scenes making of uh film about showgirls there are certainly things that are interesting about the production that you know we kind of touch upon but um but what I feel like is the most interesting thing is is the complicated relationship that we have to it and how that is evolved and the response to it has evolved over the years and and um so yeah it was you know met with disgust and disdain and you know it was a critical flop it was a flop at the box office um it was mocked it was uh, it was rejected and i think that um yeah after that you know it, it kind of was one of those things like so bad it's good it was kind of used as kind of like code you know is it showgirls bad or is it just you know <laughs> well yeah i mean it, it's really become kind of the exactly as you described it this the standard by which really bad films are are now talked about and judged in some ways yeah it was drawn and quartered really when it was released uh, in 1995 and uh in watching uh you don't know me and i'll spell that out you don't N-O-M-I, for people who are interested, want to look this up, and you want because you want to see this documentary, because you can have, and this is what I really like about uh, your film, You Don't Know Me, is that you can have all of the reactions to the film. You could have, you can hate it, you can think whatever, you can love it, you can appreciate it as from a cinematic point of view, but it's all there in your film. And, that, and, and, the, and at one point, someone says, you can hold more than two thoughts in mm-hmm. your mind about this film at the same time. Right. And, and so uh, I, am I being fair to your film? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of the, yeah, I, I think it, 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 you, we can enjoy it and honor, you know, the, the issues and honor, you know, and be respectful about, you know, the ways in which it's, it's problematic and, and, the, and the, the questions it brings up. And yeah, and I think that was one of the interesting things about it is, you know, it's not something you can kind of toss away. And, you know, one of our contributors, Haley Melodic, you know, uh, had just that perfect, perfect line. It's just like, we're not, 
we're still talking about it because we're not done with it. We're not done <laughs> figuring it out and trying to, you know, analyze it. And I think that's just, that's like the kind of perfectly encapsules, you know, right. uh, where we are, you know. Well, and as sort of a, the scarlet letter that is uh, Showgirls uh, is, is, I think, because it was so reviled. Mm-hmm. It, it, by an accomplished exactly. filmmaker, by by the the reaction was so completely over the top in savaging the film, yeah. uh, it it does lead one to uh, at some point reassess exactly what was going on. And in your film, you don't know me, you give some context, some cultural context to other yeah. films that were being released during that period of time, even going to Paul Verhoeven's Basic Instinct, the sort of this. The, the country with the Bill Clinton as president, all this mm-hmm. kind of swirling cultural misogosh of, uh, of sex. And of course, violence is always part of the conversation when you talk about film and sex. So there's so much going on and that's what makes this film, your film so valuable uh, is you. for this part of this reconsideration. And I do want to let our uh, audience or listeners know that we're talking with Jeffrey McHale, and he's the director, writer, producer, and editor of You Don't Know Me. And it is going to be, I want to let people know that they can, the film is going to be in release on VOD on demand on June 9th. So it's coming up. So um, I want people to be on the lookout for this because it's it's really good. It's a really well-made film about, uh, and it gives you, you mentioned the perspectives in it. Uh, Barbara Sh- uh, Schulgasser Parker she she pretty much rips the film in in yeah. in the in your film. You give all points of view. I guess that's what I'm getting to. Is you get give a, a perspective from every point of view on this film. You know, Elizabeth Berkeley seems to be the one to me most victimized by what happened to Showgirls. Definitely. What what's your what's your take on her? And I, I, there was a nice little there's a nice part of the film near the end about her. Yeah, you know, I think she has a you know she's a person that has you know the 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 most kind of like complicated and painful kind of relationship to it, you know, and I, I wanted to be respectful about, uh, about her experience. And yeah, so it, 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 it it's interesting. It's, it, it's an interesting kind of, the performance is amazing, you know, I mean, just yeah. from like a, a physicality, like the level and, you know, everything that she kind of puts into it, it, it's, it's fantastic. And I think she's one of the reasons why people kind of keep returning to it over and over. And I was really, uh, happy to see that Paul Verhoeven, you know, years later, you know, kind of took ownership of of that performance and said that, you know, I, I, if there's any fault, it would be mine. I, I directed her uh, in that way. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I appreciated that. Yeah, I did too. I do too, because she did really commit. So that for sure, that's so you can see it in her performance. Well, uh, the film is called You Don't Know Me, N-O- M-I, You Don't Know Me. Uh, it's a documentary film coming out uh, on June 9th, so be looking for it. And we've been talking with the director, producer, writer, and editor of that film, and that would be Jeffrey McHale. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio. Thank you so much, for, much Mike, for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.